Welcome into another Q&A. This week we have a, a fun one and, and because of, of the time of year, uh, you know, after the holidays, people kind of do a few things a little different in dry January being upon us. Uh, we, we have a cool guest, Philip Brandes, founder and CEO of Bravis, the non-alcoholic craft brewery. Philip, welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, reading a, up about, you know, it's funny because about a year ago I, I did a dry january's you know a couple of things with spiritless kind of alcohols of of different things and to me that was kind of new then now i feel like it's just second nature these uh you know th there's a plethora of, of options where there wasn't once before so it, i appreciate you coming on and before we get into bravis uh tell us a little bit about yourself because you didn't come from technically a craft beer uh brewing background no, no. In fact, technically, I came from a technical background. So yeah, <laughs> software development uh, probably couldn't be further from uh, beer brewing. But uh, it's funny, uh, we use technology quite a bit uh, at our brewery. It's just such a different process that we utilize. And, uh, you know, we built a lot of technology around uh, brewing because, you know, at the end of the day, most people can brew a beer, but to, to brew uh, that same beer right over and over again requires a lot of data there's so many variables and so yeah i was a software developer for many many years and uh, it was slowly killing me uh you know had a couple back surgeries by age 33 and it was so antisocial. and uh my brother actually kind of uh was the spark and a good friend of mine was both were the sparks to kind of get me into this business um you know both were uh we're craft beer enthusiasts and uh, I don't know, I'll definitely get into that uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a very big change, not just for me mentally, but my body as well. Well, I, it was, it was cool to read too, because, um, you know, I'm going to get into this question after, you know, but you kind of did some home brewing too, uh, but we'll get to that in a second, but how did Bravas come about because, or, or how did it get started? Um, yeah, I, mean, I know you guys were doing some 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 stuff and then it built up, but how how did it all come to be? And you know now yeah. have these awesome cans. Yeah, so I mentioned those um, those two guys, and uh, sorry, um, one of them was my brother. He was a craftier junkie. He he dragged me to my first. Uh, I think it was like planning the younger release down here. You know, they only make a few kegs, and we you know, we stood in line for hours uh, just to get a sip and. You know, after four hours of sitting out in 100 degree weather and getting to the front of the line and getting a you know small like eight ounce pour of this triple IP. <laughs> I mean, I don't one sip in, I don't remember how it tasted. I was like completely wasted by the time I finished it. And, but I, I realized there were a bunch of other uh, well, let's call it enthusiasts or uh, you know standing right there in line with me. I go, I want to do something. I want to I want to make a beer like this. Everyone's standing in line. And so um, even at the time, I, I knew that. Uh, you know, it was pretty competitive, right? There were so many IPAs and, and, and so many different styles out there, but also at the same time, and a good friend of mine who was also a craft beer junkie and was a home brewer and he loved it. And uh, he uh, he started drinking a bit too much, you know, brewers, I think at the time, this is back in like 2014, 2015, started seeing how much booze they could put in and how much alcohol they could squeeze into a, you know, a triple IPA, a barrel-aged imperial, you know, 18, 19, 20%. I mean, these weren't, these weren't even beers anymore. These were cocktails. And so, uh, unfortunately, he developed a problem. And, uh, and uh, you know, his wife said to him one day, look, it's, it's their mirror the beer. And uh, for a young guy, it's a hard decision, but he chose correctly, he chose his family. 
and gave up drinking, but was faced with the uh, you know the, the stereotypical choices, you know, duels and the sharps of the world, and which is so devastated, not just from a taste perspective, right, but was just embarrassed, right, and the stigma around uh, drinking non-alcoholic beer. He would actually order one from uh, you know a restaurant, like whisper to the waiter, "Hey, can I have an O'Doul's?" and uh, even when it came to the table, he would actually turn the label around and, and drink it this way so that no one knew he was drinking O'Doul's, that big green label. So uh, I said, look, uh, you know, I want to do something about this. You're my, you're my good friend. You know, I, I have, I'm sure I can figure out a way, right? If I can, uh, if I can write code and, and, uh, and uh, you know, program software, maybe I can figure out a way to, to make a great tasting uh, NA craft beer. And uh, you teach me how to homebrew and I'll do it. And so that's what he did and built the, you know, the uh, ubiquitous uh, uh, homebrew setup in our, our garage and uh, bought all the equipment and he taught me and uh, ended up hiring, you know, I started diving into research basically and kind of talk about the process a little bit later, but just kind of started that way and, and looked for a way to do it that was different um, than all the other uh, craft uh, any, uh, I guess, beers on the market. And, uh, you know, basically after a year, we kind of fell upon it. And my wife said, uh, look, uh, she's a CPA. She said, look, you better start a company, write the stuff off because you're spending way too much of our savings uh, getting to this. So, uh, and then, kind of, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Well, that, that, that sometimes that's just how, how it tends to, to work. And, and uh, you know, you just never know how it's going to work. But I found it interesting, too, because you touched on it. You were homebrewing. When people think homebrewing, they're thinking of making just normal beer, but you were actually doing non-alcoholic, correct? Right. How, how different was that? Because it's not like there was, a, am guessing, a ton and ton of information out there because, you know, that it wasn't the thing, especially back then, that it is now. And even now, yeah. it's still not the easiest uh, of processes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's almost impossible to brew it on a homebrew level. Uh, you know, you can distill it out, right. Or, or try to filter it out, but there's no, there's no actually it's strange. So like, you know, typical homebrew equipment, like hydrometers and, and uh, you know, the, those things, they, they can't really measure the absence of alcohol, right. They're, they're meant for alcoholic beer. And so um, it, it, I got really close with home brewing, but I knew that I had to become, I'd take that next step into commercial brewing just to be able to afford the equipment, just to even test the fact that, uh, that I was, uh, I could create a, a non-alcoholic beer. And, um, but no, I mean, we distilled and I, you know, you could run some tests at some, you know, external labs. And that's what I did. Um, and I got pretty close, but it was really until, uh, we made the jump that I could actually afford to buy uh, all the cool equipment and develop the technology um, to even create the stuff in the first place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I asked this um, to, to some other folks. How, how difficult was it for folks to initially grasp your idea of a non-alcoholic craft brewery um, uh, you know, that's doing different things and not just maybe taking the alcohol out of one beer and going, here you go, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll let you know when that actually happens, but um, <laughs> I know it's no, an uphill battle. I know it's an yeah, uphill battle. It, it, it was, it was, um, I mean, up until very recently, I, I would say even, you know, right up to the pandemic, um, you know, we'd walk into accounts and say, Hey, we have this you know, great new non-alcoholic craft beer. It's an IPA. And they'd kind of look at us funny and say, well, uh, yeah, we sell about two uh, NA beers a year. And wait, how much do you want to charge for this? And so there's the door, right? Um, 
But with pandemic, it's interesting, um, you know, obviously alcohol sales took a, you know, they skyrocketed, but people were looking for, and even prior, uh, this whole movement towards better for you, like hard seltzers, hard teas, you know, hard, you know, just low-cal, vegan, gluten-reduced or gluten-free. Uh, there was really, you know, we started off as headwinds, grew into tailwinds. And so uh, instead of us trying to convince people <laughs> that this is the future, uh, you know, people were approaching us uh, uh, because they wanted to live healthier lives. I mean, and so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, it still is, look, um, you know, anywhere from uh, accounts to distributors to, uh, you know, even everyday people, we get a lot of crap on social media, like what's the point or what the heck, we already have an NA beer, it's called Diet Coke. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was just an interesting, it always is an interesting, but I feel like those are the people that need it the most, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been great. I mean, we can't make enough of the stuff there's, there's such a, a movement now, um, you know, and it's interesting to talk about, um, I don't know if you want to get into now, but like who our consumer is, is always pretty fascinating. Um, you know, it used to be sort of stereotypically these older, right. Uh, you know, and stereotypical, like, you know, in recovery or, or pregnant women, right. All the, all the things, you know, but. Uh, we had a huge uh, older demographic and, and older Gen X, right? Uh, boomers, seniors, and people who don't really drink because they can't drink. Uh, you know, doctors said, look, uh, one more uh, double IPA and it's, it's history for you. Uh, but really that's changed uh, even the past year. Again, it's like it's shifted so much younger now. Millennials, uh, millennials, millennials, Gen Y, whatever Gen we're on, uh, you know, these are people that not, they didn't necessarily uh, grow up with craft beer, like they went right to seltzers, right, when they started drinking and, and all the all the sort of different uh, better few beverages. And so we sort of, um, we sort of repositioned a bit um, with our new branding here and, and try to started really going, not just for beer moments, I really always wanted this to, to be a beer, right? I didn't want it to be a, a recovery drink after a workout or, you know, I wanted it to be a beer, but now it's, it's just changed so much. It's more of a beverage. So now we're kind of focusing on Hey, let's go beyond beer moments and, and really just kind of go for beverage moments. So kind of our, our new tagline is like anytime's a good time for Bravis because I mean you can have it in the morning. I mean it's 10 o'clock now here, you know, whenever you just have it uh, whenever you want to enjoy something, a uh, nice kind of non-sweet, you know, not a soda, not a you know, not an energy drink, just something kind of really that that, that uh, tastes great and is refreshing. Well, and and uh, I've talked to uh, a few folks, especially on, on the other podcast that we have where we do nice little tasting notes uh, section. And, you know, some folks, even at the end of a night, you know, they're still out with their friends, they're done. They know they yeah. need to behave and they'll order a, a, a non-alcoholic and not think twice about it anymore. And I think that just says a lot about one, the quality that, that folks are making now, including yourselves and, and two, just how you said people's uh, minds have, have changed so much. Yeah, yeah, we call that the bartender's friend because uh, sometimes people don't ask. They, you know, they say, "Give me another beer, or we'll we'll burn this place down." And so bartenders like, "Okay, here's one." They're not telling them it's a non-alcoholic, but definitely, yeah, uh, giving that uh, that last one for the road, so to speak. And and you know, you, you talked a little bit about this. You know, you come from that techno uh, technology background, technical background, <clears throat> where you've had to kind of figure out how to brew on a larger scale and. And come about it and there's you know i've learned there's several different ways a lot of folks kind of de-alcoholize it others 
do it kind of the traditional craft brewing way that you would think with some other steps how does your that you can tell us yeah <laughs> i don't want to give any trade secrets away but <laughs> right. can, uh, uh, tell us about how like your how you guys go about it and sure. how that differs yeah. yeah absolutely um yeah i mean we keep it pretty pretty close to our best but uh you know when we when back when my friend was looking you know we were, i was trying to brew something for him we, we taste tested all of them and they all tasted the same they all tasted pretty bad uh and, and so i realized uh really early on that you know, removal, alcohol removal is not a way to make a beer. Uh, they all have that very similar, I can taste, and most people can taste of uh, either reverse osmosis or filtered out, right? Or, or distilled uh, any craft beer, like from a mile away. Um, Technology has definitely improved uh, over the years, right? Vacuum distillation and you know, these new machines like the alkal, uh, what's it called? The alchemator or whatever. Uh, it's definitely improved, but I don't know. I'm not a fan. Um, I feel like, you know, our method, which just doesn't really put a lot of alcohol in the first place, um, just is more close. It's just closer to a true craft beer, uh, you know, brewing process. And so it's, it's a pain in the ass, the, the way we do it. It, it, it's like, it's not fun, uh, but and we've gotten better and better, but essentially it's all about data. Like, so we're, we apply a lot of data to this. You know, we know at every, every step of the way, almost every second, um, our tanks are beaming information to us, temperature, time, uh, you know, um, gravity, uh, DO, pH. Uh, so, so we really look at the data to try and um, almost, again, like programming, we're almost programming the yeast to, to do what we want to do. And it's yeast though, it, it doesn't listen to us sometimes, but uh, we've gotten pretty good at uh, kind of, you know, just, just changing the process a bit to, um, to create. Uh, and it allows us really to, um, I think the problem with some of that distillation stuff and removal, it limits you to some of the styles you can make. Um, and I think that's why you see a lot of people kind of start out with, you know, they try an IPA and that's really it. Like our MO is really just kind of unique, like that blood orange IPA that you're drinking. Mm -hmm. And uh, raspberry goza and peanut butter stouts, and so really true, like craft, craft. Um, just, I mean, it's almost like I'm having like a, a time machine. It's like stepping back 15 years ago or 20 years ago and saying, "All right, well, what, what was popular back then?" And then just doing it now. So it's almost <laughs> like we have our DeLorean, and uh, okay, IPAs, West Coast IPAs or hazies were big back then. Let's let's try the, uh, an NA version of those and see what happens. Well, and you've gotten a lot of awards for that. I know the, the Raspberry Ghost has, has done well. I'm, I'm enjoying the, the Blood Orange IPA. I think what I was most amazed by was the uh, the, uh, the Gravitas. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of, you know, barrel-aged anything, now obviously right. it's not bourbon barrel-aged or anything like that. It's just legit. It's a barrel-aged, mm -hmm. a non-alcoholic craft, craft brew. But, I mean... But, you know, like doing stuff like that, I mean, that has to set you apart from, from other kind of exclusive non-A craft breweries because I had never heard of anything like the Gravitas before. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that kind of goes back to what we're trying to do um, and back to that whole stigma, right? People are always embarrassed of, of ordering a, an NA beer, or drinking one, or, you know, and they shouldn't be. It's just, it's not very good. And so, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I had this crazy idea around the around this time where, you know, all the barrel-aged uh, uh, releases like Goose Island and you know, Bourbon County, all those are being released. I go, you know what, let's, let's, let's try and do a, let's try and do a, a, an, an NA barrel age. And of course that took a long time to get right, uh, you know, cause you have to age something, but, uh, and try not to impart a bunch of alcohol in, in the process. But 
you know, ultimately, um, we, you know, it's the, it goes down the, the liquid into the packaging, right? These kind of beautiful, uh, you know, 500 milliliters kind of champagne, black, gold leaf labels and hand capped. And I, I, we, we hand fill them and, and uh, I hand label them. It's just this kind of, we call it this labor of love, which is a huge pain. We're going through it right now, actually, just, we just released it uh, over Thanksgiving. And so um, really something that people can be proud of, uh, put on their table and, and not, you know, not, not uh, gain the attention of all the other people drinking these, uh, these sort of alcoholic barrel aged stouts. Well, no, and, and like, like you said, uh, you know, toward the end of the end of the year, obviously just about everyone does their barrel aged, it's barrel aged season, it's colder, everyone wants something. So, I mean, yeah. just the, the options that are now out there are amazing. You know, I'm looking at a, a breakfast dark, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, an oatmeal dark, uh, yeah. you know, IPA, I, you know, a lager, you know, you do seasonal releases and that's what, you know, non-alcoholic craft breweries can do now. You can do a little bit of everything and that, right. and, and that's so cool. And, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, talking last year, it, we were kind of, you know, those tailwinds became, or the headwinds became the tailwinds and, and things changed. How do you see the NA segment kind of moving forward? I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of growth because it is such a truthfully young segment in terms of what's out there now with, with y'all and, and some others doing what you're doing. What do you see kind of in 2022 and, and going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, um, we're looking at a bunch of different things. I mean, NA doesn't have to just, you know, come to beer, right? We're seeing a lot of spirits coming to the market. We're definitely diving into that, looking at, uh, wine, RTD, um, you know, we're going to experiment with some CBD coming up here pretty soon. So really embracing uh, just uh, beverages across kind of the board here. Uh, it's still, I mean, yeah, it's still in its infancy. It's still about awareness. So, you know, it's, it was a, a, a tough year not being able to sample, right? Because uh, ultimately, everyone will look at you funny when you mention an A beer until they try it. And it's, uh, it's a whole different story. And that's, it was difficult, right? This, this past year, um, we really have to get the awareness out, really fight the stigma associated with NA beer. And, and it's great. I mean, people, uh, you know, our competitors or other people in the field are help, we're all sort of kind of moving this, this direction, trying to bring awareness to the category. And um, it's just getting started. I mean, we've been around for a bit, but only now it's, it's getting a lot of traction, a lot of attention. And so um, obviously some great things coming up. So we're excited about it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it looks like a, it should be another great year. And obviously, you know, dry January, sober October, just if you just want a, a dry day or, or a dry nightcap, whatever, it, there's a lot of options. And I, I guess I'll round it out. I know you talked a little bit that you're looking into things, but what's next for y'all? I mean, obviously you're looking at probably more seasonal releases and just trying to have a little more fun, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we kind of changed around our core a bit, um, you know, uh, <laughs> People are really loving that blood orange IPA. So that's becoming a core beer of ours. Uh, raspberry Goza, you know, um, keeping with our seasonal peanut butter stout, which is uh, it is a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, sometimes people, <laughs> all they want is that beer. And so, um, but we're going to keep that as seasonal for now. We got, you know, um, got a, got a hot, dry hopped IPA. We actually released it last year, uh, this sorry, earlier this year, did pretty well. Um, and then, you know, every month, our plan is to do a limited sort of online only uh, sort of uh, release, a small batch. Um, it's our chance to try stuff, push the envelope. Uh, sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. But, but the, the rights are, are, are um, the more rights, uh, I think, recently than, than wrongs. But 
it's always fun because you know we do these online releases it's great to get this feedback it's something you don't see sometimes traditional beer manufacturers they're mostly in wholesale they don't do a lot of e-commerce and so once the beer goes out the door they don't really you know unless it's on, on tapped or something but we get a lot of data uh, through um, e-commerce is a huge business uh, it's all the uh, any producers it's a huge business because you can ship to almost every state and so uh, getting the feedback just on what people want and uh, really let, letting them decide, hey, I'd like to get one of these or, you know, so we have a pretty cool calendar coming up. We're excited to share them. And I think we have to do this Gravitas maybe, I don't know, maybe not, maybe twice a year now because I don't know, it's just, it's so fun. And um, I think just uh, why not? Although I don't know, a stout in, in July might be interesting. But maybe, hey, maybe, maybe a barrel aged Gosa. Hey, I, I, you know, I mean, not a bad I, idea. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something. Yeah. So. Uh, well, yeah. it sounds like you got a lot of good stuff. Go to bravis.com to, to find out s- some more, check them out on social media, Philip. This has been a blast and, and I've been enjoying the blood orange IPA and, and folks give, give non-alcoholic a try. Like I said, doesn't have to be, you know, dry January, whenever it could just be, uh, you're, you're feeling like you, you don't really want to drink too much tonight and you, and you have one of those, uh, and, and like I said, Philip, thanks for, for coming on and sharing your story and, and the cool products you guys are making. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Cheers.